Welcome to Job Shadowing HE, the podcast that delves into the roles of people working in higher education. Each episode hears from guests about what's involved in their role, the career path that led to it, and tips on how to get in and get on in these jobs. The guest in this episode is Jamie Jones. Jamie's career spans multiple roles in several universities across the UK, and in December 2021, he was appointed Vice Principal Operations and Infrastructure at ARU Peterborough, just nine months before this new £30 million university opened its doors to its first students. So, Jamie, welcome. Thanks so much for being a guest on the podcast today. ARU Peterborough is a new university and described as purpose-built from the ground up for Peterborough and the wider region. I mean, it sounds like an amazing opportunity to start an institution from scratch. Can you tell us a bit more about the university? Yeah, sure. And thank you for, for having me on the podcast, Susanna. It's a, it's a real privilege. Um, yeah, so uh, ARU Peterborough really uh, that's that's a great description there which is which is good to hear and and we're really here as a as the new university in the region to address uh, one of the biggest he cold spots uh, in the whole of the uk and really looking to give those opportunities to people within the city but certainly within the wider fenland areas and the wider region as well uh, to work with us and and do degree and degree apprenticeship courses and postgraduate courses really focused on employability there's a real aim to raise um, both aspiration for people in the area to to come into HE but also that employability at the end so it's a real um, start to finish process uh, with us thinking about what jobs can be there at the end at graduate level and also really what what employers we can help attract into the city and, and it's quite a unique uh, partnership between uh, ARU as the, the academic lead, Peterborough City Council and Cambridge and Peterborough Combined Authority um, really coming together. It's, uh, I'm a Peterborough boy, so the, the talk of a university in the city has been going on for at least 40 years. Uh, and this is the culmination of that once everyone gets together. And it's amazing, really, how quickly it has come together um, when, once everyone uh, has that common sense uh, approach uh, and common goal. And we're now in our in our second academic year and things are going really well. And so you say you're a, you're a Peterborough boy and you work in higher education. So I mean, my next question was going to be what attracted you to this vice principal job? Um, maybe it was those things, but tell us a bit more. Without sounding too too Disney, this is a this is a real homecoming for me. Um, so yeah, absolutely. He, I've worked in He kind of all my all my working life, really, twenty five odd years. Um, so the ability, the the opportunity to come home, but also what an unbelievable opportunity to be part of the senior team that starts a new university. This is stuff that um, you know within our careers only comes along kind of once in a generation. To be yeah. here right at the beginning, um, you know, when I joined almost two years ago to, to the day um, where I'm sitting now in University House, which is our first building, was a was a building site. And to be able to come on and, and have that vision of what the lecture hall was going to be and what the, the science labs were going to be, uh, to now see them be, be full of students was a, was a huge draw. Yeah, yeah. And, and you mentioned you're on the university senior leadership team. Tell us a bit more about your areas of responsibility and your vice principal role. 
Yeah, so uh, as the VP for operations and infrastructure, um, I, I would say I'm kind of a responsible for everything that happens outside of the classroom, really. Um, so the academic side is, is dealt with by um, Lucy, Dr. Lucy Jones, our other vice principal. Um, so really everything involved uh, with the building, um, which, is, which is live as we are in the process of building two more uh, buildings to become part of the AAU Peterborough campus. Um, working with all of our professional services because we're effectively on a shared service model, which again is, is fairly unique. So we effectively buy in our services um, from admissions through to student and library services facilities um, from ARU. Um, and so I uh, matrix manage those and, and make sure that those brilliant teams uh, keep us to the standards that we uh, that, that we require. So a, a really a really mixed bag. And because we're still um, we've purposely kept the management structure quite flat. Um, right. I, I I I love my job. I genuinely do. Uh, there, there are days when I can go from you know looking at a budget worth millions of pounds to uh, getting a request saying, "Are we okay to buy these paper towels?" It's uh, you know they're, they're they're the two extremes, and it won't always be like that. But um, as I say, certainly as we start a new, a new university, everything in the operational side, um, I've wanted to, to be involved in. I'm, I'm not a control freak. I will start to give that up in, fu- in future years, I promise. <laughs> Excellent. So so you were appointed, from, from what I understand, in December 2021. So like you say, two years ago. And then the doors of the university are to open 10 months later in September 2022. And looking at your career path on LinkedIn, which obviously I've been looking at and I know a bit about you as well, I don't think you've had any experience of um, setting up a new institution. And obviously not many people in the sector would have done either. So how how did you go about knowing or doing what needed to be done to get the university ready? I I think for us as a senior team, as you say, there's not many people you you can lean on. Um, uh, Our principal, Ross Renton, who's who's extremely well connected within the sector, did know of people. But again, nothing that, that really fitted in terms of our size and what we were what we were trying to do. Um, so it was, it was a really sharp learning curve um, with, with great support from the wider ARU, um, but, but really looking to get involved. And as a senior team, we, we really got involved in every single in every single decision that needed to be made, you know, um, from from the big things, some changes of design um, that that Ross was really keen on to make the building really accessible to the public, so that the public can feel that it's their university, not not just ours, not just the students. Um, through to you know deciding what kind of what kind of chairs we were having in in the different rooms, so that we could make the best use of the space. It was. Um, Every day, I was coming onto site two or three times a week. At that point, just just trying not to get in the way, but also making sure yeah. that things were going <laughs> how we wanted them to be. And 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 some of those times, I think we we all remained extremely positive. But uh, there were times when you're in the middle of February, got a got a, a open day, and you're showing people around in in hard hats and welly boots, and and the rain is still coming into the lecture hall, and you're trying to say to people, um, you know, applicants and parents, trust us, it'll be ready by September. Yeah. I promise you, it, it, it will. Yeah. 
Um, and that's why it was such a great day. We had a kind of a soft launch event for everyone that applied to the university in August, many of whom had been round with hard hats. Um, so to be able to bring them in and say, look, we promised you it would be ready, uh, and it was. Yeah. And, and that was thanks to, you know, to a, a phenomenal amount of work from, from a, a great number of people, not all of them um, who always get the credit they deserve when we're now starting to be award-winning and different other things. But but as a university, we certainly remember everyone that that helped. And as I said, that it's, you know, from the building companies through to all the staff here and, and the partners as well, that was that was crucial, that support trying to build a new university during the tail end of covid with yeah. the, you know the costs going up for it to come in uh, on cost and on time was was unbelievable and, and and every day those challenges kept coming along um yeah it was a it was a brilliant learning curve i think we all learned so much and now as we look to build the, the campus as i say we've got two more buildings in development that will both be online by september 24 um, we've we've all learnt a lot um, that, that we can take into those next builds. I mean, you, you talk about the university with incredible pride, I mean, both in relation to um, that opening moment, which must have been pretty incredible. And following you on LinkedIn, as I do, looking at posts that you put up about the university, pride is always, I think, the overwhelming feeling I get from you about how you feel about ARU Peterborough. Was pride the sort of the only feeling that you had well, it's a big feeling but it wasn't the only feeling that you had when when you were setting up or were there other feelings going on at that time during that setting up period absolutely you know a huge sense of pride and, and i and i like to um throw myself into the institutions that, I, that i've worked for and i think working within the university sector um whether that be at, at city whether that be at um you know 11 years at, at lsbu um, those institutions meant a lot to me, absolutely. Um, so your pride was a big one. I think there's always that 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 constant. It's a bit like fields of, field of dreams, you know. It, it, if we build it, will they come? There was always that nagging. You know, and you can look at your application numbers, which which I, I still do now on a daily basis. That's part of my job. But that sense of would everyone would everyone embrace a new university? What what a new thing to be. You know, right in the heart of the city centre, would the city, would the region, both in terms of applicants, but also in terms of just the fact that a university had had kind of been built 300 yards away from the Norman Cathedral, would would that be a thing? And and the the response um, from public, from businesses, from the civic uh, institutions within the city of the region has been has been really positive, and we and we've actively gone out and, and worked hard on that. Um, from inviting community groups in um, to just last night I was at a public meeting invited to a public meeting out into the Fenland areas about a new cycle route which would help with connectivity and, and enable people from a very rural, rural community to get into Peterborough all of these things are, are, are really important um, and it's great we've been able to build on those because we didn't know for sure at, at the time we hoped and, it, and it's worked out So take us back to the beginning. Um, how did your higher education experience start? <laughs> well, I, um, again, as, as I said, uh, born and raised in Peterborough, um, 
and first generation, first in my family and first in my kind of wider family to go to university back in the back in the mid nineties, which I was saying to someone only yesterday, it seems like a fabled time now where universities paid students to go to university. That's uh, uh, you know um, unbelievable, really. Um, and then after I'd finished it, had my three years at Cardiff, uh, doing my undergrad in, in social policy, which I which I loved. Um, I wasn't too sure what to do at that point. And, and then my, my dad's constant joke is that I never really stopped being a student in that um, I, I remember it quite clearly, having a long conversation with the admin team in our faculty office as, as an undergrad, um, dealing with, I might have been an EC or something I was trying to get worked out anyway. And and just thinking, oh, this this seems quite quite a cool job, really. So... Um, I did uh, once. Once I'd graduated, uh, did did a did a couple of jobs on quite short term contracts in colleges. Worked um, at Cambridgeshire County Council for a, for a good while, actually, uh, as their tuition fees officer. Again, when local authorities paid fees, millions and millions of pounds worth of fees to universities directly. Again, it, it feels like a, a different time, doesn't it? It's like it, 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 that was only twenty years ago, not two hundred years ago. Um, before, yeah, then, then uh, coming to London and um, really deciding that I wanted definitely to be in universities uh, as that part of HE um, and took a, a very junior position, but one I was really glad to get um, as a research admin assistant uh, at, at City University and then, and then kind of worked my way through from there, really. So... When you said you knew you wanted to work in higher education, what was it that drew you to that into your first role and working in that, I suppose, that overall higher education mm. setting? I think, I think probably without really consciously thinking about it or realising it at the time was the understanding that, that the opportunities that, that higher education had, had given me. Um, in terms of exposure to um, different cultures, different way of life, but but also the the learning element um, and thinking about you know, opening my horizons by going to Cardiff for three years, you know, an amazing city with, with so much going on, and and that the university had, had been front and centre of that. So for me then to think, could I have that influence and could I be part of something? Um, that was that I felt was was really really important, um, and as I say, I enjoyed working for the local authorities. They were really interesting, really interesting times. I was then quite determined to get involved in it, and I worked, and I did a couple of short term contracts for a couple of colleges, but realised I wanted to go into a university um, and see whether that was the right thing for me to do. And that was kind of in my my very early twenties, so so no. Um, no responsibilities as such, so could go and, could go and give it a try, and uh, yeah, kind of twenty twenty six years later, um, here, here I am. So you got that first job at City University that you mentioned. Take us through what happened next in terms of other roles that you had there, and then through to your next institution. Again, I feel very lucky to to have landed at City. Um, great people, but also the opportunities were there. Um, and, and, and I carry a lot of that now being in a senior role where, where I talk to staff and I think about how it will work here uh, about those opportunities. So really, as I said, I went in as a, as a, um, a research administrator, uh, working with a group of, of researchers, doing, doing their fairly basic admin. They were all great people. 
but but what City had a real culture of at, at, at the time um, was looking to help internal people that were ambitious to to move on to the next stage. Um, and it was something again. My my going back to my dad. My dad was very nervous about that coming from a traditional background of. You, you got a job, that was your permanent job. He's changed job a few times in 40-odd years, but you, you had a permanent job. Whereas I think within eight months at City, I jumped onto a three-month uh, secondment um, and then onto a six-month maternity cover. So Dad was just like, what are you doing? You can't. Um, but, but it was brilliant, again, and I, and I was young enough and had that opportunity. So to go through that many jobs within my kind of eight years at City and experience those different things and, and constantly be moving up. But to have those opportunities within City was, was crucial. I always say to people, you know, and I think it's it's very widely thought in the sector, that the, the biggest and most difficult move into management is that first one, getting someone, uh, persuading someone, persuading an institution that you could be that person that could manage one other person and my first my first management job was only managing two people um but being that that first time or being that first time that you're given that job that's a um that's a really uh, professional position where you've got some real res- you might not line manage anyone but you've got that you know what we used to call a kind of grade six role the the that that one of responsibility within an institution and I was very lucky within City um, that those opportunities kept coming, um, uh, right, right through to right through to the to the point that I left really, um, uh, and then I left to move to London South Bank University, another brilliant institution um, that had got widening participation right right at its very heart, which was something that really appealed to me and and, and always has done um, there in SE one. Uh, and I went in there as student experience and, and quality assurance manager within one of the faculties. And that was a really interesting job. And, and again, um, I've really always looked to take opportunities when they, when they come along. And I've had great support from my, from my family and, and, and loved ones to do that, but really took opportunities. So when we had a, a fairly major restructure in the summer of 2015, which I had the, the dubious honour of both leading on the restructure whilst my own job was part of that restructure and then moved through into the, the student services side. So became head of student administration, first of all, and then deputy director of student services, director of student services, and then finished at LSBU as director of of student operations, which involved uh, all of student admin, a lot of our front-facing uh, customer service, uh, responsible for the registry without having the academic registrar title, um, as well as fairly fairly chunky processes such as uh, enrolment and registration. So a real mixed bag. Um, but that that was all, I think that's the thing that's kept me in hedging. That there's always been things that were added to my job or moved around. Nothing nothing ever stayed the same. I mean, one of the one of the bits of the role that I, that I always enjoyed at LSBU was being the university disciplinary officer. Didn't didn't really fit within my role, but by the time I'd left and I'd spoke to different different senior managers about that, who'd said, "Look, we could take that off you and, and give that to somebody else." And I was like, "No, that's that's the bit I want. Can you can you take something else?" Um, but yeah, always to have that really va- that really kind of varied job role and for it to be constantly evolving. 
um, I think has been in crucial to why I've, I've always wanted to stay in the sector. One of the things um, that strikes me about conversations I've had with colleagues before about, you know, career paths and professional development and people wanting to find that next step is they often talk about, I want to be strategic. Um, I, w- I want to move into a strategic place. Within your sort of career path to date, can you sort of identify a moment where you felt, oh, I'm getting more into that sort of strategic space now uh, than, than operational? Yeah, it's it, it. That is a constant question. I, I, I you know, I get asked that a lot. Um, I think in in many ways, it, the operational elements have, have led me into the strategic work. I think I think the big the big change for me in terms of strategy is going back to that that difficult summer of, of twenty fifteen where we where we needed to restructure um, the faculty administration services to bring them together as a central service, and that really showed to me that that I with others you know wrote that strategy of how it was going to work that it wasn't just a staff restructure it was a whole it was a whole remodeling. And again, with hindsight, I can see what an amazing opportunity that that was. It, it was a it was a really tough summer, and I certainly didn't feel it at the time. But I think I think that was the point where I became that person that could deal with quite complex and quite difficult strategy and strategic decisions, whilst also being um, operationally focused as well. And, and I've tried to keep that going um, since then, and most certainly into my current role. So thinking about the role that you've got now, um, I mean, putting that in the sector context, it's it's quite rare now to find an institution that doesn't have a role on its senior team that's responsible for operations. But as you and I both know, in, in the world of HE, titles vary from institution to institution, remits vary. And at that level, you know, sometimes it's to do with a VC's choice or organisational design or sometimes a combination of the two. But commonly you see senior operational roles titled as chief operating officer or registrar and secretary. But interestingly, you have the vice principal brackets operations and infrastructure title, which crosses over that famous professional services academic divide. What are your thoughts on that to do with your title and titles in the sector at this sort of level? So our titles within the senior team at AOU Peterborough are really interesting. So the most senior post within AOU Peterborough with Professor Ross Renton as, as principal, which is why uh, I'm vice principal. Again, I think because we're so closely linked to AIU, uh, which has obviously got its own you know, excellent vice chancellor and it's got its own uh, excellent chief operating officer, we, we, we couldn't have those titles. I, I think, yeah, if I was to look across the sector, mine would would be that kind of coo role but yeah that that blurring of the lines between um academia and professional services is something that was um that ross was uh, uh, really keen on seeing here we we don't we don't have those those barriers um and i'm very involved with our assistant principals that look after the, the academic areas we work extremely closely together and similarly, they're really involved in the in the professional services um, output as well, and, and how that should look. So we were able, because we were, you know, not just building a university, the bricks and mortar, but building the structure of the university uh, from scratch. We really could have that involvement, and and that and that's been brilliant. I th- I think for us as a group, um, 
uh, you know, the, the room I'm sitting in now, our, our boardroom, um, we've had an approach from the very start that that every Wednesday morning for two hours, this we come in here and have our executive group meeting. And, and really, we it's very rare other than annual or sick leave that any of us miss that. We, we, we agreed at the start that we would prioritise that over pretty much everything. And it just means we can get in here and, and have that have that kind of safe space, I suppose, really to, to really work it through. So yeah, I'm 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 just as involved in my role with um, course development and portfolio development as I am on the more kind of practical operational element as well. That part of it's been a been a real change for me from current roles, from previous roles, sorry, um, but something that I'm really pleased to be involved in. And and uh, I think in, in some ways. I think at different institutions, I'd kind of, even in senior roles at those, sometimes you would see courses developed or, or, or whole portfolios developed and then it would get landed on your door as the, you would have found this in, in your roles. But, uh, you know, there you go. Uh, how are you going to administer that? Well, what? Well, have, we, have we made allowance that I might need two more people for that? And how's, how's the QA going to work and different other bits? Now being right in the heart of it and being able to say, we need to think about that and and we need to uh, and we need to accommodate that is really helpful and i think as so much um administration becomes more complex if i think about you know we're, we're heavily committed to degree apprenticeships i am you know both uh morally it's the right thing for us to do in in, in this area um but you can't go into that blindly. The, the administration that's around it, the need for study tutors and the uh, review meetings and the extra admin that, that costs in. You can't just factor administration in the same way you can for a, a three-year UG course around DAs. So the fact that I can be, that I'm right in the room putting that view forward at the start, I think may, means that we haven't, and hopefully won't in the future, make some of the the budgeting errors or mistakes that, that, that I've seen and been part of in previous institutions. So you've been in operating mode since September 2022, and I'm sure that no one week is the same because it generally isn't for anyone working in higher education. But can you tell us uh, maybe some typical activities that you would do during a week? Who are you working with? What are you doing? Mm. So mon Monday morning is always, um, being from the Fens, we, we tend to get up early. I'm, I'm an early starter, so I, I like to be here by half seven on a Monday morning. And, and that first couple of hours on a Monday is always, <laughs> it sounds a bit lame, walking around the building. It's a bit more than that. But, but really talking to everyone that's, that's here. Uh, from our cafe manager to our uh, facilities people, reception, security, and having that kind of Monday morning check-in just to see if anything's happened over the weekend, but also to make sure we all know what's going on that week. You know, we might have different events. We might have new students coming in. We might have students graduating. As you say, no, no two weeks are the same, but really getting that sense of how the university is, how, how the people are, because the people are way more important than the building. Um, it's, and making sure they're all fine, dealing with any, dealing with any issues. Um, then I think, like, like everyone else, there's, there's there's quite a lot of meetings involved, both that are because we're in that unique position of needing to have AOU Peterborough meetings where we're deciding things ourselves, 
but also um, we want to be a significant part of the wider AIU, the, the whole university, so on different groups and, and different elements. Still, still now, given that we're you know only in, uh, almost halfway through our, our second academic year, there's things every day that I need to think about. I, I, you know, th- just this morning before I, before I came on this call, we've, I've written two draft policies uh, around AOUP specific things that will go to our executive group next week, and we'll and we'll start to decide on um, because things come up. Uh, we try and be proactive and think about what we uh, about what we need to do. Most weeks there are different um, external elements that I that I need to be involved in, whether that's external meetings with partners, or with community groups or others that we're looking to bring in. Yesterday, for example, we hosted a um, uh, a teachers conference here that brought together a lot of um, heads of six and careers advisors from the local schools. Wanted to be in there talking to them. Um, yeah, so a lot of monitoring of data, whether that be um, applications or making sure that the data on our on our heating and uh, and lighting is correct. Those kind of things. It's it is it is so varied. As well as I'm the first point of call um, for any uh, kind of incidents, whether they be be good or bad, if they involve students or staff or. Or because we are so open-fronted, it's brilliant to see members of the public come in. They might have questions they want to ask, or can they have a tour around, or how can they work with the university? Um, and those kind of things fall to me uh, as well. So, like, there's a lot going on, clearly, and, and demanding, but exciting at the same time. And I, I guess at times it could also be quite all-consuming. What approach do you take to work-life balance? With working at London South Bank in particular, and... and living in Peterborough, so commuting to London for, for nine years. And then obviously the, the pandemic happened and, and the just normal uh, way of commuting and getting up at half five and not getting home till half seven, which you just got so used to and you know millions of people do it. I think through the pandemic, obviously we couldn't do that. And then, then after the pandemic, it was just a kind of thought of, Mm, this 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 is not great, is it? And and start to miss the start to realise how much I've missed with my with my kids as well, whether that be parents' evening or school football matches or, or whatever it was, um, and that really made me start to think. Now, now I would have stayed at LSBU. It was a, it was a I was very institutionalised, a university that's that's very close to my heart. If this opportunity hadn't come along. Uh, but coming back here, yeah, has, has changed everything. Uh, despite me, as I was saying, I like to be in work for kind of half seven, quarter to eight of the morning. I've gone from a four-hour round train journey to a, to an eight-minute cycle from my house in the south of Peterborough to to our campus. So it does, it does, it does change everything. Um, and but and then it, it, so it's a, so it's enabled me to do some, a lot of those things that I'd missed out on before: parents' evening, school football matches, all those all those types of things. Um, but it's given me a bit more time to uh, think about other elements of my my life that that I wanted to do that I that I put off. Um, football is a is a huge part of my life. Um, uh, Peter United, our, our local team, are a huge part of my life. Um, so it enabled me to do things like I'm now the um, chair of trustees for the Peterborough United Foundation, which is the charitable arm of, of the football club, and every football club has those. Um, extremely proud to be part of that, and and giving my time and energies to work with a great bunch of people. To to again, it fits with the university's ethos to 
um, to do good in the city. And, I, and I'm very happy, you know, uh, if people think of me as a do-gooder, I'd be, I'd be very proud to wear that badge because um, th this city means the world to me. So if, if the institutions I work, not me as an individual, the institutions I work for and with can have that positive impact, then, then brilliant. Yeah. Um, and then as, as my wife mentioned to me the other day about, about slowing down and, and relaxing, I, I relax by uh, being a football referee, which uh, is, is sometimes not the most relaxing of jobs. But, but again, something I, I absolutely love doing. Uh, and again, give, giving something back, I think, is, is, is really important. So there's colleagues in the sector who definitely have an eye on your role or a role like yours. And I'm sure much of what you've talked about so far today will give some good insight into how you got there career-wise and what's involved in the job. But how would you sum up your advice to someone who's focused on or aspiring to stepping into your type of role into the future? I think, I think there are a number of routes to it. Um, I think mine, I've talked a little bit in this conversation about taking opportunities when they come along. But that's not just that's not just about roles. Often taking opportunities with roles can be the most difficult bit. I've taken on responsibilities, some of which I didn't really want to do, but I was trying to think of what the next thing might might lead to with that. Um, and really throwing myself into that. I'm, I'm not a great one. I, I recognised quite early on um, that my I'm a really experiential learner rather than rather than courses. There are certain courses you have to go on, you know, of course. But but my skill set and how I would learn best was experiential. So whether that was getting involved in, in student discipline or, you know, I got to the point where I was chairing and could do now if needed to chair um, staff disputes, grievances, that that was the experiential way that I wanted to build up rather than my list of qualifications. Uh, well, isn't very impressive at all. Um, I, I've got we've got got my undergraduate degree, which I'm you know very very happy with, but but haven't got the masters. I've got kind of um, the Prince to the first one, which I got while while I was at City. Um, I started my MBA a fair few years ago and and, and didn't really get very far with it. Um, because again, I'm not saying I couldn't have done it, but I decided to throw myself into more work-related and work-based activities. Now that work that's worked really well for me, because it, it's given me the skills and experience. Uh, and for me, for my style, I think getting that experience was crucial. It, it means um, nothing much phases me in that respect. So it's enabled me to have the confidence to to look to to keep progressing and go on to the next stage. So I think if it's about, it's really my advice would be to be able to, to quickly understand and work out what the best approach is for you, um, but to keep but to keep taking those to keep taking those chances and and try and see how far you can you can push it and and not be afraid to go out and do those, um, and if that means changing employer then then so be it. So finishing up our conversation then, you're, you're in this role. Uh, there's clearly a lot to do. There's huge potential. And I guess that's the same for similar colleagues working in roles in other institutions. But where do people in your type of role go next? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a really good question. I've just had my appraisal. So that, 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 is, that, that, is, a, that is a timely question. Um, 
I don't I don't know to be honest because it because it is a is a fairly unique post in terms of in terms of its title. I think for me personally um I'm really keen to see how this how this role develops over the next kind of 5 to 10 years where a Peterborough will be at that point. Um you know the plan is for us to go for uh, a form of independence from from ARU within that within that time scale and become the University of Peterborough. And so where this role will will grow to or or what happens I've certainly although this this really is my my dream job and my dream position um it it that doesn't mean I've I've lost my sense of ambition really in how this role can develop um and it might you know it might change title in years to come who who knows with with the way the sector works um but really just to see yeah that that development both within the role and within the university to see where where that might take me in future years. Jamie it's been great talking to you thank you so much for your time in letting me shadow you. Thank you very much Suzanne. Thank you for listening to Job Shadowing HE. The podcast was written and presented by Susanna Marsden. Audio production and theme music was by me, Rodri Marston. More information about this podcast and previous episodes can be found at jobshadowinghe.podbean.com. <laughs>